Amen. Thank you. Thank you all so much. How we doing, church? Come on. Do you love the word of God today? Come on. Well, listen, this is just how I like to preach. I like to read a little bit, I like to break it down, and then I like to apply it to our lives. So today's message is entitled Seats and Seasons. And if you have your paper Bible with you or your electronic version, whatever you have, you can go to 2 Samuel chapter 7. It's where we're going to be. And for some context, before we jump into our reading for today, I'd like just to build a little bit of some boundary of where we've been in the scripture. 2 Samuel chapter 6, the chapter right prior to the one we'll be reading today. David has been made king at the beginning of this book. And now he is going after this thing called the Ark of the Covenant. If you'll remember way back when, God instructing Moses how to, what to create, this ark that would host his presence, uh, the elements that were inside of the ark, that this was, for all intem- intents and purposes, like the very presence of God with his people. And so at this time, Israel's history, they didn't have this ark. The Philistines had it. And that was just a shame that the people of God did not have the very gifts of God that God gave to them. And so David was burdened as king, newly uh, brought about as the king of Israel. He was burdened that they did not have this ark. And so he, he's going after it. And I had a whole, like, chunk of a rabbit trail I was going to share this morning, but I decided not to. But I'll encourage you, when you're reading the word of God, can I just encourage you just to go a little deeper, specifically with names. If you ever read, like, a name and you're like, that is not English, you're right. Congratulations. Uh, the people of the Old Testament don't have English names. And when they sound like English, we took them from them. You know what I'm saying? Like David. Oh, that sounds like a name we've heard. Yeah, well, it's been around now for thousands and thousands of years. So we've just kind of adopted it. But there's an interesting little side note of the, the location. Once David uh, got the Ark of the Covenant, he was nervous or concerned about bringing the Ark into, the, into his house, into the palace. And so he's like, we don't really know what that w- what would happen if we go ahead and march it on into Israel. So we're going to let it stay out here at this guy's house named Obed-Edom. And Obed-Edom, what that means, it is the servant of a ant- or a descendant of Esau. Somebody that wasn't part of the promise of the line of uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, right? Not part of them. But the Bible says in chapter 6, verse 13, that Obed-Edom's house was blessed for three months because it house the presence of almighty God and that just is so shocking that even this guy that has nothing to do with Israel that really doesn't have anything to do uh, with King David or the presence of God his household was used probably against his will to host the presence of God and then his household was blessed for three months David saw that blessing and he said We're going to go ahead and take it back now. So then he took the Ark of the Covenant, brought it into Israel. They marched it around Israel. David danced unashamedly before the Lord in the streets, so much so that people were telling him, like, you shouldn't be doing that. You're the king of Israel. You shouldn't look so foolish. And he was like, I'll look foolish every day of my life. If that means before my Lord's presence, he's getting all of my glory and my honor. I think we need some believers today that have that same faith in God and disregard for the things of this world. Amen? Here we go. Chapter 7, 2 Samuel. We're going to be reading some scripture today, a a good chunk. So follow with me. We'll be starting in verse 1. 
It says, when King David was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all the surrounding enemies, the king summoned Nathan the prophet. Look, David said, I am living in a beautiful cedar palace, but the ark of God is out there in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, go ahead and do whatever you have in mind, for the Lord is with you. But... That same night, the Lord said to Nathan, go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord has declared. Are you the one to build a house for me to live in? I have never lived in a house from the day I brought the Israelites out of Egypt until this day. I have always moved from one uh, place to another with a tent and a tabernacle as a dwelling. Yet no matter where I have gone with the Israelites, I have never once complained to Israel's tribal leaders, the shepherds, or my people, Israel. I have never asked them, why haven't you built me a beautiful cedar house? God's not nearly as vain as we are. Verse 8 says, now go and say to my servant David, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I took you from tending sheep in the pasture and selected you to be a leader of my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have destroyed all your enemies before your eyes. Now I will make your name as famous as anyone who has ever lived on the earth. And I will provide a homeland for my people, planting them in a secure place where they will never be disturbed. Evil nations won't oppress them as, they're do- as they've done in the past, starting from the time I appointed judges to rule my people, Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. The next little section is where we're going to be focusing today. Furthermore, the Lord declares that he will make a house for you, a dynasty of kings. For when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name, and I will secure his royal throne forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. If he sins, I will correct and discipline him with the rod like any father would do. But my favor will not be taken from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from your sight. Your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time, and your throne will be secure forever. So Nathan went back to David and told him everything the Lord had said in this vision. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Father, we just thank you today. Lord, I thank you that your word is alive and active, that it breathes when we read it. That, God, we can discover not only what it says on the surface, but we can discover the intricacies of your word. So, God, would you bring clarity this morning to all of our hearts. Lord, would you speak today as we share this teaching. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. It's been a wild ride already for King David. Uh, He got into the throne in a little bit of a wild way. If you know a little bit of your Old Testament, uh, some of the stories there. King Saul was the first king of Israel, and he did an all right job until he didn't and got all proud and decided, you know what, I think I like it how I'm planning to do it rather than how God's going to instruct me to do it. And so then King David was raised up by God. He defeated Goliath. He was anointed to be the king. And then here we get to 2 Samuel, and he is confirmed to be the king of Israel. And it didn't just like, it wasn't an easy start to the 
to the job. He right away basically went into defeating the Philistines, re-getting the Ark of the Covenant for Israel to have. It's been a little bit of a wild ride. And David noticed in our section that we read today that it's just not right. The Ark of the Covenant does not deserve to be under a little tent. My mom's here today. Uh, Thank you, Mom. Sorry, also. Um, When I was a child, my family, we didn't camp. It's just not what we did. We were, that was not our thing. Some of us, my wife, she grew up camping a lot. She shares all these fun memories. And I'm like, that sounds horrible. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, that does not sound fun to me. Um, But we did. We were like, we're adventurous. So my dad, he bought the largest tent I'd ever seen in my life. Now, remember, I have never gone tenting, so maybe it wasn't that big, but in my mind, it was like a giant tent for me, my sister, uh, my parents, us to sleep in, and we pitched it in the backyard of our house, right? We weren't going to go to a campground on experiment number one. We did it in the backyard. We blew up our air mattresses because obviously, and our, our tents and our sleeping bags, it was great. We all go to sleep, and we wake up, and I'm there, my dad's there, my sister's there, My mom is not in the tent anymore. So immediately we're like, oh, my goodness. In the middle of, like, a suburb, my mom got kidnapped. We had the wisdom to go inside to walk up the stairs to her bedroom, and she is sound asleep in her bed upstairs. She no longer, and she would promise you, even to this day, that there was a raccoon, a vermin that went underneath her air mattress or underneath her sleeping bag. She felt it. It was going to attack her. And so she felt unsafe. And so she decided to go to the bedroom. We all doubt that. But it's what she claims. And I'd like to believe that if we were truly in danger, my mom, who loved me oh so dear, would have saved us from this danger and said, you don't need to be outside in this tent anymore. You need to come inside where it is safe. There's no elements. There's no critters that are going to kill you or anything else that you will be safe indoors. And I kind of laughed when I was reading the scripture, and that's the story that came to my mind. But mm, that's a great story. You're welcome, everybody. Uh, But King David, that was a good transition. King David He felt borderline similarly for the Ark of the Covenant. He was like, it's not right that I'm out here in this huge palace that everybody sees and looks at. The king lives there, and that's what it's known for. And yet the very presence of God himself is just right outside the door in a tent. And he said, it's not right. So he calls the prophet Nathan. Now, this is our first time we meet Nathan in David's story. We'll, we know Nathan more for a few chapters later with the story of David and Bathsheba and Uriah, much more messy situation. But if you caught what Nathan did, he said, David, do what you want. Lord is with you. But then that night, the Lord showed up to Nathan and said, actually, I want you to tell this to David. And it was a whole different plan than just do whatever you want. Like I can imagine David, he was excited. He, was, he wanted to build this thing. So he probably already gathered the architects, already gathered the people that were going to build this, this temple for the Lord. And then the nighttime came. And then the next day, Nathan had to go to David and be like, remember all that work you already began. We have to put a pause on that. Because you're not going to be the one that's going to build this temple. Today, uh, church, the message title here is that there are, sermon, there, there are seats and there are seasons that each of us in life, we walk through. 
And if you notice, this section of the Bible is called the Davidic Covenant, that God is making a promise in 2 Samuel chapter 7 to David. And what a covenant is, if this is a new word to you, is that a covenant, it's not just like a promise. It's not just like a bond. It's not just like, I really am serious that I'm going to do this. No, it is something much stronger than even like a contract or something like that. It is two-sided, that there are usually two parties involved. Both of them have responsibilities, and both, both of them are bringing something to the table. And the covenant that God is making with David through the prophet Nathan today, it is an unconditional and irreplaceable covenant. It is something so strong that David, God already knew, could David have messed it up? Could he have said, you know what, God, I'm going to build this temple anyway. I know what you're saying, but I'm going to do it anyway. God, God knew David's heart and that he was soft to hear from the Lord. And so when God said, this isn't what's going to happen But listen to me, I'm going to do something even better later on. David had the faith to say, I believe that. And so then David had to do his part of keeping up with the covenant. And the covenant here is God articulating that I'm going to do a good work. And why is God good at that? Why do we believe that that was going to happen? And that is because the covenant is the very heart of God. His heart is that God's people would find their identity in the goodness of their God. As we sing today about God being our way maker and miracle worker, there's just a joy in the room because we believe that God really is who he says he is. That they would find their peace from their enemies as we read. That victory would be theirs over their enemies. And he didn't stop there. He didn't just stop about right then and there, their present state. Let me reread that last section that we read earlier. Furthermore, the Lord declared that he will make a house for you, a dynasty of kings. For when you died and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name, and I will secure his royal throne forever. Jumping into verse 16, your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time, and your throne will be secure forever. That's what it's about. We believe that there is a promise that God made to David that wasn't going to end with David, and even short-sighted, it wasn't going to end with Solomon, who was going to be the first fulfillment of this covenant, who would build that temple. But it is a fulfillment Uh, that was completely completed, yep, uh, by God in the man Jesus Christ. His son, that when he set up his kingdom, that that would be the one that would never cease to end. Solomon's kingdom, I don't know if you know, it kind of did end. After a few generations down the road, the kingdom of Israel was ended. It was defeated by the Assyrians and then by the Babylonians. In fact, the very temple that Solomon was going to build was completely destroyed only about 200 years after he built it. But then there would come a day when God was going to not just create temples uh, through his workers out of stone and gold and all of these beautiful things, but he was going to make his temple in flesh and people. And that that kingdom, that presence of God that was going to fill those temples would now be on the move. It wasn't going to be in a city on, in one location, but it was going to be on the move and is actually going to be declared to spread throughout the entirety of the world. Today's message, friends, there are seats, there are seasons. We all find ourselves at times 
in a place where we are in a seat. Every one of us, if you're a student or you're the oldest of us in the room, you are in a seat. You are somewhere in time. You have a job to do. You're part of a family. You're doing a particular task. There are also seasons, right? That seat you're in, it might evolve a little bit, it might change a little bit, but this is the chunk of time where you find yourself where you are. If you would allow me just for a few moments to share a few thoughts on this seats and seasons idea from our scripture. Number one, God has you in your seat for this season for a purpose. My God is not a God of coincidence. My God's not a God of accidents. My God's not a God of just filling in the cracks because he's got something bigger to do and you're just kind of a pawn that he doesn't know where to put right now, so I'm going to just put you here. No, my God is a God of intentionality. He is sovereign. He creates a, a masterful plan that every single one of us has the honor and privilege of being a part of, and he has you in your seat in this season for a purpose. I'm sure all uh, pastors go through this, but as a youth pastor, a lot of times the questions that I'm answering circle around kind of like the fundamentals of life, like the existential thoughts that teenagers go through. They're not kids anymore. They're not adults. They're like this, oh, my goodness, what am I supposed to do? And it's these questions. What's my purpose? What happens when I die? Who am I? Am I, or am I where I'm supposed to be? Summed up that is identity, meaning, value of life, and freedom. The, the, these are the questions that teenagers are wrestling with. I know us adults, we're wrestling with those same questions. And every time when we talk about those things, it always comes back simple to me that God is who God is, and he's going to do what he's going to do. Who am I? Well, God says that you are loved. God says that you are valued. God says that when he poured out his son's blood on the cross for you, that it was worth it. Like, he, this is who God says you are. And we speak that over them. What's going to happen when I, when I die? Well, I don't know. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior yet? If yes, you're going to spend eternity with him. It's going to be amazing. If no, you'll spend eternally separated from him. That would be horrible, right? We, we bring it pretty straight to them because it's very straight answers. Today, as we're di diving into our scripture we discover that God is sovereign. The reason he's able to uphold his end of the covenant that he's going to establish from David, sorry, you're not going to be the one that can build this temple for me, but there is going to be someone after you, one of your descendants. I promise I, this is a covenant. I am going to hold up my end of the deal that is going to forevermore host your name. You will be his ancestor, but will forevermore sit on a throne that people will sit underneath them. God is true to his word. And a couple of encouraging scriptures for us today, they're not on the screen, but that can build your faith to believe that he has you in this season for a purpose in the seat you're in. Number one, he sees you. In Matthew chapter 10, I love quoting this scripture to students because it like, it's, the, it's the one that always gets them. Like you get the, the holy tears is what I call them with this scripture. Matthew 10, 29 and 31. What is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Like, it's so silly of us. We're like, God, do you even see me? Hello, he's allowing all of creation to continue to exist. Even sparrows, which are kind of annoying birds. He even is looking after them. Why would we be in my opinion, so prideful to think that, but we're above God being able to see our situation or to move in our situation. 
It's just not the case. He sees us. Number two, he guides us. Proverbs 16 says, better to be patient than powerful, better to have self-control than to conquer a city. We may throw a dice, but the Lord determines how they fall. Hello. Like God even has articulated a plan so beautiful that when we think that we're the ones in the driver's seat, God's like, that's really nice of you. It's really nice to think, like, he likes to partner with us. He likes to, for us to be on board with what he's doing. But let's just not be foolish. God is so good. And he's the one that when we get into alignment with what he has, we say, God, why am I in this seat? Lord, why is this season the way it is? That doesn't mean the season's great. That doesn't mean the seat you're in, you're enjoying to be in. But he has you in it for a purpose and for such a time as this. Number two today. Other people can and are going to fill your seat when you leave, and that's okay. Ouch. It's really humbling to remember that we are in the seat God has us in for a season. That he only has us where we are for a season for multiple reasons. Because, number one, he's got something else for you to do later on. But also, number two, he's got something else for somebody else, and you're in the way. In all of us, as we get into alignment with what God has for us, we will discover it is so much better just to follow the direction God would have us go rather than for us to stay planted in a seat where he has moved us from a long, long time ago. Somebody that in the Bible didn't get the picture was King Saul, as I kind of preluded to earlier. He was king, God chose him to be king. He was the first king of Israel, but he overstayed his welcome. He actually decided to go his own way instead of the Lord's way. So the scripture literally says that God removed his Holy Spirit from him. His ways were no longer blessed by God. And so God, in his mercy, raised up somebody else. He didn't let Israel just go, like, plummet and get destroyed. In his mercy, he raised up somebody else to take Saul's place. A king that, of course, we know as King David was going to do a, a much better job and much better job at following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Not always, but a lot of times. Saul's time was over, and he kind of didn't let it go. And so we know that Saul's end was not the most beautiful ending. It wasn't like he gave up the throne, and then he was able to be an advisor to David for the rest of his days. No, it was ugly. It was messy. And that's because he didn't follow the Holy Spirit when he said, your season in this seat is over. What about an example that's good, though, from the Bible? If you consider Paul, Paul was a missionary. He was an apostle. He brought the gospel to places it had never been. He was on the move. And we have accounts in the book of Acts of three missionary journeys that he went on. And on the third one in Acts chapter 19, we discover he goes to this city called Ephesus. And in Ephesus, he finds some believers, but they haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit. So he gets that done. And then he says, all right, well, we got some believers now. Let's plant a church. And for two years, Paul is in this city called Ephesus growing the church advancing the gospel, raising up other people to do the same. But then, kind of obviously, the Lord says, your season's done in this seat, literally because the town, like, tries to kill him, so he has to leave, right? Uh, and so it's not, it's easy. He didn't just let the church die. He didn't just let the church crumble. He was like, well, this church was built on me, and since I'm leaving, I have to leave now. He had been, for years now, raising up somebody to follow after him, and his name was Timothy. And he says, Timothy, I need you to now pastor this church. 
And he didn't even just then leave Timothy and then leave from there. No, we have accounts in our Bible of times that he wrote to Timothy at least twice. Saying like, hey, I know you're pastoring. I know that church was a little difficult. They had a couple people that were just a little extra, right? So here's how you deal with that, right? Here's, here's how you be a pastor. Timothy, I know you're young, but don't let them look down on you for your youth. God has you in that seat in this season for a reason. And so he didn't just give it up the seat in the season and then move on. No, he continued to do what God had him to do now as the seat of like a leader of an apostle to oversee that work that was happening in his previous work. If I can invite our uh, keys up for the last point here. Our last one, number three, obedience to God leads to great things. So simple. You've heard it your whole Christian life. And yet, we can all be honest, we don't take that to heart very all the time. Like it's much easier to take the disobedient route. It's much easier to stay in the seat or to, can I be honest, to leave the seat before the season was for us to leave it. We neglect going to God with our requests and with our needs, but instead we just say, you know what, I'm going to do what I would like to do. But can I tell you the, how the story ends in, with uh, David in the temple? Fast forward to First Chronicles chapter 22. We get a beautiful account of, for chapters, God setting up this temple. God inspiring David to now bless Solomon. He blessed Solomon, and chapter 22 is full of celebration and honor and joy, watching God fulfill the covenant that he has made to David, that his son would be the one that would then build this temple, that his son would be the one that would usher in there being a place for the presence of God to be housed. And we know, as I pointed to earlier, that that didn't stop. That didn't stop with Solomon becoming king. But hundreds of years later, Jesus Christ would come. And he would establish a kingdom that forevermore would reign above every other kingdom. And his presence, as we talked about earlier, would no longer reside in a physical temple built by human hands. But it would now be put and rested upon his people, his witnesses in fact, I would like to read something for us. It's beautifully done by uh, the former president of CBC, uh, Central Bible College, these AG, one of the old AG colleges, I think an alma mater to some of our very own. The former president, he took all five accounts of the Great Commission from the end of each Gospels and the beginning of the book of Acts, and he put them together. And it's so beautifully written. Here's what it says. It says, my work is now finished here. I have the authority to send you as my ambassadors, and I'm doing just that. I will breathe on you, and you will receive the Holy Spirit, the power to carry out my command. My command is to go and preach the gospel. Make disciples of those who repent of their sins. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. When you preach and teach, you will do so in the power of of the Holy Spirit and repentance, signs and wonders will accompany your preaching and teaching. People will be healed and delivered, start in Jerusalem, then go to Judea, and then to Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. Everywhere you go, you will be living witnesses of me and start now. 
It's the compilation of all the great commissions, the last words of Jesus put into one because we recognize that this is now our commission. Friends, this is what obedience looks like. When we're obedient in the seat that God has us in. When we're obedient not to push the season to end when it's not supposed to end, but when we just say, yes, I'm going to say yes to you, Lord. You have me here. God, I don't want to be here. But you have me here. Lord, you, you're moving me along, but it doesn't really feel like the season's moving along. I'm just moving seats. I'm just transitioning. God knows what he's doing. And there might be a time that he's called you to move on. We have to let it go. And we have to move on from that seat in that season. And that's all right, because he knows what he's doing again. And ultimately, we have to be obedient to what he has us to do. And if you're wondering what is that, those existential questions like, what's the purpose of my life? Very simply put, it's right there. Your purpose is to now go make disciples. Every one of us should be multiplying our witness. We've been witnessing it to our family, to our city, to our nation, to our, to our, to our workplaces, to our schools. This is our job. This is what obedience looks like, is in the new year, taking a look, where are we going to go? As I look past, for the past year, uh, at the begin at December 31st, 2022, uh, I was uh, setting up a New Year's Eve party. Uh, Catherine was about 26 weeks pregnant with Ezekiel. I didn't have a beard. Like all of these things that have changed in my life, right? I also wasn't here at Radiant Life Church. And Catherine and I knew that a season was ending and the seat was about to exchange. But we had no idea what that meant at that time. But look at God, at his faithfulness in every journey we did. There were moments we toiled. There was moments we really were like, what is going to happen? And we were a little stressed. But we knew God had it all figured out. And we knew that as he unfolded the plan that he was going to affirm time and time again his good plan for our lives. And bring us to this seat in this season, and we absolutely love it and adore and are amazed at God's faithfulness. You look back where you were a year ago. If I could ask you, what's changed? How's your walk with the Lord changed? Have you been obedient to him? Have you stayed in the seat he's called you to leave? Or did you leave the seat he told you to stay in? In 2024, we can do the whole New Year's resolution thing, or we can just say, God, I just want whatever you would have for me. And I think 21 days of fasting is, and praying is a phenomenal way to discover what is that. What is that thing, Lord, that you would have for me? At the end of the day, though, if you haven't heard from Lord or you didn't get a, an answer that you felt was satisfactory, remember the Great Commission. It's that simple. Regardless of your seats or your, the season God has you in, it's always to make disciples. It's always to be Christ's representative and ambassador where you are in that seat and in that season. It's always to love your neighbor, to pray for those that persecute you. Those are things that will always be part of your seat and in your season. So in the midst of asking God, God, what would you have for me for 2024? Lord, what would you have for my family? We need some dads in the room that are willing to go to war for their families. Lord, what would you have for my children? Lord, what would you have for my school? Lord, what would you have for my workplace and the spheres of influence that you have given me there? If we look back at our three points, God has you in, a, in your seat for this season and for a purpose. Number two, other people 
are going to and can fill your seat when you leave, and that's all right. Number three, obedience to God leads to great things. If you'll bow your heads with me. Father God, we just love you. God, there's no way to describe how grateful we are. Lord, that we have witnessed the faithfulness of Almighty God in our lives. Even this year, Lord, some of us, we experienced some really, really rough hardships. We've experienced loss. Lord, we've experienced health decline. God, we may have experienced jobs transitioning, not how a way that we felt like they should, or, or God, maybe we ex- received horrible news. God, we've also experienced new life. Lord, I thank you for Ezekiel's life, new life on this planet and our families. God, we've experienced, Lord, marriage and, Lord, uh, different ways for you to bring joy into our lives. God, we've experienced a new seasons and new seats that, Lord, we are clearly able to see how you have come through and answered the prayers that we have been praying, the longings of our hearts. God, we know that in each of these seats, in each of our seasons, Lord, you have a plan. God, you are so intentional. Lord, would you help us see that plan? God, would you open up our hearts and our minds to see what you are doing, Lord? Lord, would you help us to become hungry, to be a part of the work of God, not just to be passive, not just to be a Christian that is unknown to those around us as a son or daughter of God, but would we be alive and active? Lord, may the word of God be breathed out of us as we speak and we give words of wisdom, Lord. Holy Spirit, I'm praying in 2024 that Radiant Life Church would be a church that is used in the manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit like never before. That prophetic words won't only happen from here from the stage on a Sunday morning, but they'll happen on Tuesday afternoons in the workplace. God, that hands will be laid on the sick in front of lockers and people will be made healed and whole. God, that the salvation work of Jesus Christ would be multiplied. That each of us wouldn't just see one more for Jesus, but Lord, we'll see many more for Jesus. But Lord, we pray, as Pastor Chris has been praying for the past several weeks, that we won't be so focused on everybody that we miss that one. That God, you're going to bring that one before our path that you would have us invest time in, invest relationship in. And, Lord, that we won't forget as we're seeking your plan and your purpose in this this season, God, we won't forget the commission, the commission that is so great for us to go, to do the work that you have us to do, to make disciples, to share the love of Jesus with the world around us. God, 2024, we as Radiant Life Church are dedicating it to you today. So, Lord, we thank you for it. We love you. We are believing that the work that you are beginning, in 20, that you began in 2023, is just beginning. And, Lord, that even greater things are yet in store for us. So, Father, we bless your name. We honor you. And we thank you for the word today. In Jesus' mighty and precious name I pray. Amen. Awesome word, Pastor Matt. Thank you for bringing it to us. And this is what our students get all the time. The word of God, the true unfiltered word of God. And so we're so thankful for you, so thankful for our team. I just want to say we are so blessed by all of you who volunteer, who are part of Radiant Life Church making it happen. 
you didn't know, this doesn't happen just by chance. It happens because a bunch of you that are sitting out there work so hard. And uh, just thinking this, this last few weeks with our worship team and media and all of the people who give of their time and effort. So whatever you do, whatever part you play, thank you for being a part and making 2023 uh, just amazing at Radiant Life Church. Thank you for your help, for your encouragement, for pushing forward. And let's go into 2024 excited about what God's going to do. If there's something that needs to switch or needs to change, let's listen to the word of God, what Pastor Matt brought to us. Let's, let's go into it. Let's make it happen. Let's pray. Let's fast. Let's spend time in the presence of Jesus. He is so, so good. So just a quick recap. We have Tuesday morning prayer and Saturday morning prayer here for the next three weeks. And we would love to have you join us uh, next week, 930 and 11 o'clock services. And we're going to continue to go after Jesus. And we are so blessed to be a part, so blessed to lead Radiant Life Church and thankful for each one of you. And pray you have an amazing uh, rest of your day, amazing January 1st tomorrow, and that God would bless you, would use you, and just pour himself out upon you so you can pour him onto others. We love you all. This week, the rest of this year, Radiant Life, be careful what you watch. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you talk about. Savor the presence of Jesus. See you in 2024.